All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I have to say, even even just doing this one time this morning gives me a whole new uh, appreciation, a renewed appreciation and depth of appreciation for for Nathan. This is not a, a normal way of doing things for, for all of us at home. And uh, I'll tell you from firsthand, standing here today, this is not a normal way of, of, of ministering on this side of things either. And so um, just deeply appreciative to Nathan. I know Rob has been uh, just pouring out week after week as well. And so just huge appreciation um, to, to both of them, how they've laid down their lives. And th- this is not only unusual, this is a little bit hard, to be honest with you, in terms of, of, of ministering to into the, the lens of a camera instead of being together with all of you. So I, I want to share today, this is something that really, for me, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I don't remember at this point if it was two or, or three weeks ago, if you're, if you're going to go back, uh, but Nathan shared something that to me was just so profound. It was, it was one of those words that I felt like just hit right smack dab in the center of the bullseye. Uh, when he was talking about when we ultimately come out on the other side of this, you know, of, of what will matter most is not when or how, but who. Uh, and so for the last couple of weeks, that thought has just been resonating for me and, and just sort of rolling that around in my mind. I've been seeing that show up in, in different places as I have, have had devotional time or, or just conversations. Um, and, and I really want to try to pick up on that a little bit. I know Nathan, over the last couple of weeks, has been in, in First Thessalonians, and so I want to deviate from that at least just a little bit today, uh, but to pick up on, on maybe one of those loose threads that he left out for us a, a couple of weeks ago about that, not when or, or how, but who, because now we're in a different place, right? We know that we're, we're starting, as Nathan said, we, we can sort of see the light on the horizon in the morning, almost like a sunrise coming up. We know that this transition of uh, meeting together, church on Zoom is transitioning back to that church in a room model that many of us prefer, I think, you know, undoubtedly to, to this particular model. And so we can see that happening. And one of the things I wanted to share this morning was just around that transition. And as Nathan said, we're going to gather together as elders to pray on Tuesday and talk through this. We desperately need um, the entire body thinking and, and praying through that with us uh, as we do that. And one of the reasons why I say that uh, so emphatically, so confidently is because when you look throughout Scripture, if you go all the way back to the Old Testament, right, there's this pattern that we see in God's people that I think we are sort of prone to as well. And, and, and here's what I think one of those patterns is, right, is they did not tend to transition well all the time, right? And you see that going all the way back into the Old Testament when God sets them free uh, coming out of Egypt and, and miraculously provides for them and they're set free, right? That, that they're literally not even days out of captivity and there's already issues in terms of the food not being good enough. And maybe it would have been better if we had gone back, right? Not exactly a smooth transition for, for God's people, right? And, and you, it's sort of the same thing when they transition um, getting ready to cross over into the promised land. There's sort of this similar areas of trouble, areas of struggle as they're transitioning. But you see this even more maybe in the, in the New Testament. And as you read through a lot of Paul's letters, right, as God's people, the, the folks that he had set aside for himself, right, is, is there was a new dynamic going on, moving from the, the old covenant under the law to the new covenant that Christ had established with his coming, with his death, his burial, his resurrection, 
right? The church was struggling in some places with that transition, right? And, and, and so you see this, like I said, almost every letter that Paul writes, he's dealing with churches that are in transition, um, and some of them tending to that better than others, but, but th- there seems to be at least one place. And, and for some of those, it was very concrete, right? There were, the struggles were around, in most cases, differences of opinion, differences of doctrine, differences of preference. And so you see all over the place, Paul sort of setting things right in terms of the proper doctrine around things like uh, the requirements for circumcision or not circumcision, the requirements for was it by faith that they were now justified or was there still a component where they were being justified by the, the law. There was, you know, whether it was by faith or by works, whether it was by, there was, was issues around spiritual gifts, there were issues around the degree to which genealogy mattered or, or didn't matter, right? And so all of these different churches and, and Paul spends a, a ton of time just trying to make those, those doctrinal things really clear, right? So that those churches could continue to walk together in unity and the unity that Christ had established for them and in them, in himself, for them to partake of, right? Paul's doing everything that he can to make clear so that they can maintain. But the reality is that some of those churches, right? It's not every, not every issue, not every difference that Paul was addressing, was it completely clear, right? Not everything falls down as much into black and white. And so I want to spend a little bit of time today looking at a couple of places where Paul addressed those sort of grayish areas. And and, and part of this, I've got to be honest with you, is I feel like we're now in 2020 here at New Life and and the, the church more broadly, we're sort of in one of those grayish areas, right? And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in, in just a couple of minutes. But I want to share really sort of the underlying heart here that I want to share with all of you today. And, and I'm going to sort of plant a flag here and then move off of this, but we'll come back here, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is Paul writing to, to the Corinthian church, which we know is sort of riddled with all sorts of disputes and divisions in terms of who they were following, whether it was Paul or Apollos or you know, different teachers, that they were sort of all over the place. They were all over the place in terms of, of a whole bunch of different issues. And so in Corinthians 10, uh, Paul's writing you know, towards the end of the letter, and he shares this one thought with them, and this is in verse 23. So 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23 and verse 24. And so he says to them, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. And so this thought here is, right, we in, in Christ as believers, we have a tremendous amount of freedom, right? And that's one of the other themes that Paul talks about. If you were to go back and, and read through the letters that he sent to the various churches, he emphasizes over and over and over again to them, right, this freedom that we have in Christ, that we've been set free from a law of sin and death unto life in Christ, right? Empowered by the Holy Spirit, that that's very much a reality of of who we are and what we need to be walking in. But here he's talking about the fact that what do we do with that, right? When you've got almost sort of no guardrails, the the Old Testament, the, the Old Covenant in some ways was almost easier, right? There were super clear guidelines of what things that you could do and couldn't do, of what you could eat or couldn't eat you know, of, or of exactly what was required in terms of a, a particular sacrifice for a particular type of offering. 
Right? But in the, in the New Covenant, there's pieces of this that are not quite as clear. And so what Paul's talking about here, right, is in this vast sort of space of everything that's permissible, right, there's a smaller subset of that that's actually beneficial, right, that's actually constructive. And so I want to just sort of plant here, um, and I want to flip back to another place where he addresses almost the same issues that he's talking about here in 1 Corinthians 10, but to a completely different church. And so what I want you to do is hold in Corinthians 10 and go back, flip back to Romans uh, in chapter 14. And, and I'm not going to dive into, you could do, I think Nathan was, you know, talked about the other day, sort of the value uh, of going through uh, scripture sort of line by line. And I think there's a, a, a ton of value in doing that and just um, exposing line by line and thought by thought. But really today what I want to do is highlight out of Romans 14, right, this is one of those gray areas that has caused some confusion, it's caused some division, it's caused disagreement among believers. And so Paul's trying to set things right. And so he says at the beginning of verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 1, he says, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servants? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the the Lord is able to make him stand. And so the issue here, again, going back to this sort of transition coming out of an old covenant where it was very clear sort of what what animals were okay to eat and which ones weren't, which ones were considered clean or, and which ones weren't. And, and it was very clearly detailed. But this was a point under the new covenant where there was disagreement. It's a gray area. And so Paul doesn't run from that um, to the church in, in Rome. He runs right at it and says, hey guys, listen, this is, this is what I want to share with you. This is the point that I want to make to you. And if, if you journal, if you write in your Bible, Right, the, the two words here that I want you to, to capture or emphasize or, or record somehow in, in, that, in 14.1, right, that word accept him. Right? And he's not talking about here compromising around a doctrinal issue. He's not talking about throwing away a conviction. He's not talking about any of those sort of things. Right? He's not talking about setting those aside for the sake of some sort of false unity. What he's talking about here is the interaction between brothers, right? There's a, the interaction between the family of God. And so he's talking here, that word accept is a picture of receiving him tenderly, right? Of accepting, of taking him, of, of sort of pulling somebody in close, right? Like Nathan said, it's a little hard to do that these days, but that, that's the picture here of, of drawing somebody in, of welcoming somebody close, right? But it's, it's with, it comes with an intention attached to that, right? Of accepting him in order to, to have conversation, right? To, to commune together, to encourage, to strengthen and build up, not to quarrel, not to argue, not to judge. One of the commentaries that I read it framed it this way, that the intent here is not to pump out a weaker brother's sentiments concerning the things that are at issue, right? Which, if we're really honest, if I'm really honest, 
that tends to be part of my agenda when, when I have a disagreement is I, I want to not only fill you with sort of everything that I believe in my perspective on this, but there's also this effort to try to pump out of you, right, what I consider to be this is where you're, you're missing the mark. And, and what Paul makes clear here is that sort of interaction is what both sides are called to do particularly when it comes to the other word that I want you to highlight here is on disputable matters. And the, the picture here, again, is that sort of gray area. This is not a, a foundation stone sort of issue. But what was happening was how they were tending to that conversation, how they were tending to those interactions between one another was breaking things down. They were breaking down relationship. They were breaking down and starting to let slip out of their hands the unity that Christ had established. And when you think about that, the fact that this church in Rome is a combination of Gentile Romans who had no part whatsoever in, in the history and the generations of what God had done through the nation of Israel, that he had brought them together with Jewish believers and established unity out of that group of people is nothing short of, of almost unbelievable. And what Paul is saying here is the way in which you guys go forward is either going to maintain that and strengthen that and preserve that, or it's going to break that and, and, and you're going to see that stripped away. And so he's saying, listen, on, the, on those sorts of questions, right, the issue is, is much less about who's right and who's wrong than it is about how you walk through that together. You know, Nathan brought up um, the anniversary of, I think it was his, Nathan said it was his first date with, with Jackie. Um, it's, it's funny to, to hear him say that because one of the pieces I can distinctly remember, um, Jules and I are, are about a month away from celebrating our, our 18th anniversary. Um, we went through an extensive premarital counseling because I just needed a lot of help um, along the way in terms of getting ready for that. But one of the things that I distinctly remember even, even almost 20 years later was the counsel uh, that came from our pastor at the time that said, Jay, listen, you guys, you're going to fight, you're going to have arguments, you're going to have disputes and, and things that you see through different ways. And he said, you will never go wrong if you go into those conversations with the chief aim being to win your wife rather than trying to win a conversation or trying to win an argument or trying to win a situation. And he said, you're better served, right, to humble yourself and submit yourself, right, and to win your wife and, and, and that relationship than you are to win an argument. And all of these years later, I still think about that, the times when Jules and I start going into, Jules, my wife, by the way, when we start going into those times of what we like to creatively call intensive fellowship is what is my, what is my aim here at the end of the day? And sometimes I remember that sooner rather than later, um, and sometimes I remember it later rather than sooner. But of coming back and really what Paul is saying here is, hey guys, that needs to be your same way that you approach each other. One of the commentaries that I love to use when I'm getting ready for a message uh, is a, a gentleman named Matthew Henry, um, whose note on, on this particular passage of, of Scripture says that in this case it was not so much the difference itself that did the mischief, as it was the mismanagement of the difference. And I think for us today, right, this, we are in that regard, we are the same as the body was in Rome that Paul was writing to here, trying to build and maintain and, and encourage, is that we tend, it tends to not be 
the, the, the point of the argument as much as it tends to be the way in which we handle it with each other, right? We don't, we don't run at things together with love and humility and submission. We tend to, right, we tend to run in different directions. We tend to run to others, to, to gather allies to our particular point of view, right? And, and in those times, we, we run the risk pretty quickly of, of seeing the work that Christ has established, the unity of his body start to, to fall away. And you think, Jay, why, why are you going down this road and, and today or this, you know, of, of all days? Because to be honest with you, I don't know that in, in the 20 plus years that I've been a believer, that I've ever had a dispute with somebody over whether or not there was a particular type of meat that I could eat or not, or even the, the observance of a particular feast or festival, which is sort of the next topic that Paul starts to address here. Um, and maybe some of you have, that's not been part of my experience, but I'll tell you in, in current times, there, there does seem to be a lot of conversation and, and, and dispute and, and sort of differing of perspectives around when should we come back as new life? Like I said, from, from church on Zoom to church in a room, when exactly should that happen? And, and what should that look like, right? Should we do that in the parking lot or the, the side yard or in the building? You know, should we space out chairs a certain way? Should we sing while we're together? You know, what, what should all of that look like? Right? And those are all areas where folks are, are sort of all over the place. I think, I think I've heard from different ones and Nathan and right, different, different folks in the church. Right? We're, we're not all completely on the same page in terms of, you know, how that should look or when that should look. And I think part of it for me is why what Nathan shared a couple of weeks ago, why that resonates so strongly, because it's not going to be about the when or the how, but the who. Who will we be? How will we walk through that together? That's what is really going to matter uh, in, 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 as we sort that out. And, and as we said, you know, as, as we continue to, to gather together and, and work through that, right, these things are going to come up. Right? There's going to be places where we um, are at risk of, of offending each other, it's going to happen. We need to prepare ourselves now to approach it the way that Paul is, is saying to the, to the church in Rome, this is how you guys do this. The issue here, he addresses people on both sides of the issue. If you read through the text in 14, right, those who said, I can eat anything, I have freedom to do that, and the folks who, who were and they were condemning others who, who weren't, and the folks who were only eating vegetables right, were condemning those. Right? There's, you, you see that there's a place for both of them where it's not exp- that's not faith expressing itself in love. Right? That's not a, a place of humility and, and submitting one to another right, in reverence to Christ. And he calls them both out on it, both sides. He calls out and says, listen, guys, right, this is not how we're going to walk through this together. And if you go a little bit later in that passage in, in 14, he walks through, and, and I'm going to jump all the way forward into verse 15. And so he, he sort of lays out this standard, right, in this gray area that he calls them to, to operate under. And he says, if, if your brother is dis- distressed because of what you eat, right, you're no longer acting in love. And again, this is a, this is a theme that seems to keep coming back up. This goes back you know, three, three months, six months, nine months into to a message that Nathan had shared with us around um, the, our call is to walk in faith, expressing itself in love. And Paul's saying, if, if, if that's the dynamic, then, then you're starting to step, step outside of that. And so he says, don't by your eating destroy your brother. 
for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider to be good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us, therefore, for those of you who, who've done small group with us, you know that that's a phrase that shows up in Hebrews. That's a phrase that's near and dear to my heart. And he says, in light of all of that, then, we're, we're called to do something. And what we're called to do is to make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Right? That word edification there is a picture of, um, before I came up, I saw, I think it's the, I think it's the Jenks that have got a, a bulldozer in the background on their video feed this morning, which is awesome. And it's a picture, that word of edification is the picture literally of building a house, right? Of building one another up, one person at a time, that a whole house would come together. And Paul's saying, we need to be striving every effort to do what leads to peace and the building up of each other into the house of God, right? Don't destroy the work of God, right? That word destroy there is literally the opposite. It's like demolition day, right? When you're doing a, a, a rehab project on a house, right? Demolition day, you know, my son Noah um, is convinced that that's his life calling. He wants to just be a demo guy. But what Paul's saying here is, Right? God's already started building. What we, what we need to do is, as sons and daughters, to, to build alongside him, to learn from our Father how to build alongside and not to be demolition men and demolition women in the midst of the work that God is already doing. Right? He's calling us to, to build the house, to build each other, and to focus on what the kingdom of God actually is, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. Nathan talked about this earlier. Um, this was, for me, as I'm sitting here waiting this morning to come up here, Nathan's talking about um, putting on a, a righteousness that's not our own, but's from, but, but comes from Christ. That's exactly what Paul is saying. That, that's the picture of putting first things first, guys. Right? That righteousness from Christ, that's what the kingdom of God is. A righteousness that we couldn't come up with on our own, we couldn't afford to purchase on our own, but Christ purchased for us and gave to us freely. Right? That, and that out of that righteousness, out of him handing over his righteousness, I have the ability now to have peace with God, to have peace with all of you. Right? And out of that, to walk in joy, knowing that those relationships between myself and my heavenly father and myself and, and, and brothers and sisters here on earth, right, that that transforms my heart to be able to walk forward in a certain way. And Paul's saying that is what the kingdom of God is all about, guys. It's not about whether you're eating the right thing or drinking the wrong thing, whether or not you're, you're coming to church outside or too soon or too late or do we sing with masks or do we, do we not. All of those sort of pieces... And he's saying, I want you to keep things in perspective because what matters here is how you're going to walk through this together. And I would say to you guys, New Life Church, anybody else who's listening, um, whether you're, you're, you're listening in for the first time or you're part of another body, as we all as churches, right, every church that, that, that ex exalts Christ, right, that we're going to be called to the same thing, to walk through this in a way that's going to honor and glorify him and show our faith in him by expressing it in love for each other. So I want to just go back here um, in, from Romans back to where we started in, in 1 Corinthians in chapter 10 where we, where we started. Right, This idea of everything is permissible 
but not everything is beneficial. That word beneficial um, here is talking about not everything is expedient, not everything is profitable, not everything is to my advantage, right? I'm allowed as I'm a grown man. Uh, some of you are, know next, next weekend I'm going to turn 40 years old, right? I, I, can, I can eat as much ice cream as I want. Everything is permissible. That's not necessarily to my benefit to do that. Right? Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything is advantageous. Everything is permissible. And this was an argument, if you look back in Corinthians, that there's other places in this same book where this same church is making that argument. Paul, didn't you tell us that we had all of this freedom in Christ? And he's saying, yeah, I did, but the problem is, is that you're distorting it. And so he's quoting back. My, my version of this has those, everything is permissible in quotes. Paul's playing back to them almost their argument. And, he's, and then he's sort of countering that uh, twice in a row here. Not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. And that word constructive is the exact same root as what we just looked at in Romans about building the house. Oikos domio, right? Not everything makes you a house builder. And the truth of the matter is, Right? He goes on, he says, nobody should seek his own good, but also the good of others. Right? Everybody's focus as we walk through right, doing life together, right? that's a phrase that you hear all the time. We're going we're gonna to do life together. We're going to parent young kids together. We're going to parent teens together. We're going to be empty nesters together. Right? We're going to do this life together. And what Paul is saying here is, listen, as you're doing that, you're going to have a lot of freedom to do that in a lot of different ways. His call to the body, in this case, the church at, at, at Corinth, right, is to do that in a way that builds up those around you, right, that edifies, that encourages, that adds to them, that adds to the work that Christ is doing, not tearing down, not destroying, not causing division, not letting those sort of things slip away, but to continue to be focused. And so I'm sharing today, guys, because we know, right, today we're still on Zoom. Right? There's, there's literally Nathan and I in the building, right? which is not how any of us desire for this to stay. But as we begin this transition process, there's going to be places of disputable matters. And, and, and I think we're, it, the, we're better off to say that out loud and to put those sort of things on the table now so that we can all, listen, I've got work in this. There's places where I know I've got to prepare my heart, right, of, of thinking through and making sure, not just that I'm not going to say something to Nathan or to Greg or to, to anybody else that's going to, to tear them down, but I want to encourage you guys even now to start, you know, to, to start pressing into this even at a heart level of, not letting right, my opinions or my heart attitudes begin to be uh, changed or, or twisted or corrupted uh, because I find out that Nathan wants this to look a certain way that's different from me or he thinks that it can happen on a different timeline than I do. Right? But for us to say, Lord, I need you to change in me the things that need to be changed so that we can walk through this together. And this is what I want to I leave you guys with, sort of these two thoughts, right? In John 13, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says this. He says, a new command I give you, 
love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by the way that you love one another, by the way that you walk through, by the way that you tend to those places that are gray areas where you disagree, by the love that you show in those moments, men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And Paul builds on that. And as, as Nathan gets ready to, to sort of wind us down here with worship, I want to just share with you um, a charge. I want to leave you with this charge today to, to meditate on, to, to chew on, whatever you want to call that. But in Ephesians 4, again, Paul is writing a letter to another church addressing a very similar issue. And at the beginning of, of Ephesians 4, this is what Paul says. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Okay? This isn't about creating unity. We don't have to create unity for ourselves, guys. This, that work that the, the heavy lift that none of us could accomplish, Christ has already accomplished. Right? In Christ, there's already unity in the Spirit. Right? Our call, our charge from Paul is to continue to walk forward in a way where we maintain that, where we preserve that, where we continue to grow and flourish in that. Right? And so in the days and weeks ahead, as we're sorting through all of these sort of dynamics right, where there are no clear answers, I don't know that there's a precedent for this to be found, is to let's continue to be in prayer for each other, for, for ourselves, for our own hearts, right? for wisdom to be able to do this in a way where as a body here at New Life, we can express our faith, where we can express our worship and, and adoration for the Lord, where we can manifest all of those things in love just as Christ was calling us to do. Amen? Lord, we just ask that you would, Lord, that you would be accomplishing this in us that you'd be working in our hearts even now, that we would continue to be marked as those who are your disciples in a very tangible way, or the way that we love each other, or the way that we work through, uh, Lord, even, even differences in, in gray areas. Father, that we would continue to be marked as a, a people, a who, that reflect your character and your nature, or that we would love one another just as you called us to do the same way that you loved us, or that you humbled yourself, or that you, you pour out and continue to give grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy, or that the same nature, the same character that, that marked you as our Lord, as, as the, the author and finisher of our faith, or that those same things would mark us as your body. In Jesus' name, amen.